Get ready to move from ordinary to extraordinary, natural to supernatural, with Radical Change Ministries. Well, good morning to everybody joining us online in South Africa and the rest of the world. But a special welcome to Radical Change Ministries, my brothers and sisters sitting here. Are you aware that you have been blessed with the gift of inspired utterance? Pastor Peter, what is that? <laughs> it's the gift of prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, preaching and teaching the Word of God. Now that you only get through intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the word you have given us today. Father, let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Holy Spirit, we please open up our minds so we can understand the scriptures. Write it in our hearts and write it in our spirits and let it forever change us into the Christ likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> when we walked in this morning, the Holy Spirit was already here. When we started preaching and started praying at the back room there, the Holy Spirit was already here. Even before I stepped up here, the Holy Spirit is already here. I just hope I'm not going to cry. The other day I was watching a movie... And uh, I love watching movies, especially science fiction movies. Don't judge me. I didn't create myself. <laughs> science fiction stuff like, uh, what is a good example? Star Wars, uh, Aquaman, stuff like that. Now, one gotta be, we got to be careful. You know, when you watch science fiction movies, some of the stuff out there, it's, it's a bit bad, you know, it's demonic stuff. Some of the stuff is really witchcraft. And, and so, so, so one needs to be careful, especially for the little ones. Don't allow those things into your house. So, but the Holy Spirit knows that I love movies. And he, and he knows that I love, you know, to, to watch uh, uh, science fiction movies and stuff. So it's like, how, how can I put it? It's like he, he takes a highlighter. And somewhere along the line, he comes and he highlights something. And uh, as I was watching a, a movie the other day, I think it was one of these uh, Independence Day movies. Number one or number two, I'm not really sure. And <laughs> funny enough, these guys ended up in Africa somewhere. And uh, the aliens were attacking the earth and uh, they wanted to kill everyone and take over dominion. You know, kind of like what Satan is trying to do. And uh, the humans are fighting back. And uh, at some stage, these guys had to get to the moon in a hurry. It's only in the movies that you will find that. But yeah. So here comes the spaceship and it lands. And these guys get into the spaceship and they need to get to the moon in a hurry. And uh, <laughs> between these guys is a lawyer. And, and, and he, he he ends up in a spaceship by accident because he, he's just there for the paperwork. You see what I mean? <laughs> and he ends up in a spaceship on the way to the moon. And this guy is worried. And when the astronaut comes to him, you know, 
to lock in the, uh, 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 the safety belt, he says to the astronaut, sir, it's, it's, it's my first time in space. Is there anything I should know? <laughs> what an understatement. Of course, there's a lot you should know when you go into space. I mean, you take the astronauts, they go through the toughest recruitment process you can think of. These are the most physically fit people that you would find. These are the mentally strongest people, intellectually strongest people. They got to be proficient in maths and physics and all of that stuff. And when you are selected, they take you through years and years of training to prepare you for space. And here this guy is asking the astronaut, is there something I should know? As if you can cover that in half a minute. <laughs> so the astronaut just smiles and says, there's a lot you should know. And he clicks in the safety belt. So say after me, there's a lot we should know. Because you know, when that happened, along came the Holy Spirit and he took his highlighter and he put it over there. There's a lot we should know. And this is how this sermon was born. And normally when the Holy Spirit does that, I don't really watch the, you know, the movie anymore because my mind is not there. So usually I get up, I get my laptop and write something because I've learned how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. I have learned how to, to hook in with him and see what he wants to teach me. Now let's take, for instance, the first example. Let's think about a young woman. And she's on the verge of giving birth to her first child. Oh boy, there's a lot she should know. Here's another uh, uh, example. There's a couple madly in love with each other. Looking in each other's eyes. Standing in, in front of the pulpit. Standing in church. In front of God. In front of everybody. Saying, I do. There's a lot they should know. Now the prophet Hosea confirms this. Let's go to Hosea 4 verse 6. And he says the following. My people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true. Because you have turned your back on knowledge. Here's my question today. Have you turned your back on knowledge? Because if you did, it may ruin you. Now, me, I work at, at, at a, a training center and we, we present skills programs and we present learnerships. So what we do is we prepare youngsters for the workplace. So what we do, uh, uh, just, just imagine this scenario. A youngster coming out of school and he's on his way to work in a coal mine. He's on his way to work underground. And let's say, for instance, he will be operating a continuous miner. Now, that's one of the most hazardous environments you can get. So our task starts with preparing this person to be able to do that. To be able to work safely, 
and to be able to be productive. Now, that's a tall, a tall order. That's not easy to do. So how do we do it? Well, we start with a theory. We talk about the theoretical books, the hard copy books, or the e-books, or the learning material online. And we call that learning manuals. Now, wouldn't it be nice if you can have a learning manual for married people, married couples? Wouldn't it be nice to have a, a training manual for bringing up kids? In fact, wouldn't it be nice to have a learning manual for life? In actual fact, we do. Here it is. It's called the Bible. You get it in a hard copy. You get it in e-books. You get it online. In fact, you even get it for free. Whatever suits you, it is out there. God has made the provision. Let's go to Psalms 119 verse 105. It says the following, Your word is the lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that is the name of my sermon. You see, a lamp unto my feet is for now, looking down, for today, for this moment. So it prepares for me to, to take the right decision for what I need today, but also for the rest of my life. And a lamp and a light onto my path. Now in this book, this manual for life, you will find anything and everything in here and much more. This book will blow your mind because it's not a normal book. This book will change you. This book has already changed me. I'm not the same person. Because every time I open it and every time I spend time with it, the Holy Spirit teaches me and it changes me. Come five years later, people will hardly recognize you. And let's be honest, we need to change. Everybody needs to change. Me, I need to get less. And God needs to become more. That is the way we become brilliant. But let's have a look at the statistics. They've done a research, a survey in September 2020, and this is what they found. They found that the Bible has been translated into 704 languages. I didn't even know there's so many languages. But that's not all. The New Testament, and that's normally the ones that you will find in the hotels. The New Testament in Psalms, not the entire one. So those has been translated into an additional 1,551 languages. And that's not all. Then they translated only portions of the Bible. In other words, just stories. The story of Job, or the story of Ruth, or the story of David. And that has been translated into a, uh, another 1,160 languages. So in total, we're talking about 
3,415 languages that the Bible has been translated into. Let's talk printing. The Bible has been printed according to the Guinness Book of Records. has been printed in over 5 billion copies. 5 billion. This book is a top seller every year. So to sum up, this book has been translated into the most languages, it's been printed the most, and it sells the most every year. <laughs> Maybe we should check it out. So what does the Bible does for us? What does it do when we read it, when you spend time there? Let's go to Hebrews 4 verse 12. Hebrews 4 verse 12. It says the following. For the word of God is alive and active. Whoa. This is not a dead book. This book is alive. In fact, uh, 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 John the Apostle writes and he says, The word of God manifested and walked among us. Obviously, he refers to Jesus. He's the word of God manifested us. So according to John, Jesus is the word of God. So therefore, it is alive. So the word of God is alive and it is active. So it's working for you and me. When you read the Bible, when you read the Bible, it's working for you. It's sharper than any two any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, sometimes people are so set in their ways. And I, am, I was one of them. And that's because of our religion, because of our cultures, because of our traditions. My grandfather did it this way. My father did it this way, and now I'm doing it this way. And some of the things are good, but some of the stuff, we forget why they decided that. Some of the things were most probably decided because they didn't have the proper resources for it. But the Word of God can change us. Let's have a look at some of the examples where it did. I want to go to Acts 2, but before we get there, this is when, when Jesus went to heaven, but he promised the disciples that he's not going to leave them like orphans. He promised them another comforter. He promised them the Holy Spirit. And he did deliver. So, while they were praying and awaiting for the Holy Spirit, it came down like tongues of fire. And they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And all of them started uh, speaking in tongues. And they started laughing. And that's what happens. That's normal. When the Holy Spirit falls on us. And the people were looking at this and thought, What on earth is happening with these guys? These guys are drunk. <laughs> so Peter gets up. And he says, Guys, these people are not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Come on. We haven't had a chance to, to drink anything. Not, not that they would, but 
It's too early in the morning to be drunk. What's happening here? And he starts explaining. And an old fisherman starts preaching the gospel. How amazing. Somebody that would have never been chosen to be a teacher of the law. But once you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible. So Peter starts preaching and he says, and he, and he explains that we were all waiting for the Messiah. But Jesus, that you have crucified, he is the Messiah. And these guys were numbstruck. And they asked Peter, and let, let's go there. Acts 2 verse 37. Verse 37. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Do you see the double-edged sword there? They were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? So Peter says to them, Repent. And over 3,000 people were added to the church that day. What happens? You see, the word of God came and cut out all the nonsense and left them with only the truth. Because let's face it, that's all we need. We have too much nonsense in our hearts sometimes. Too much nonsense in our minds. Let's have a look at another Another ex uh, example, and that's in Acts 10. But before we get there, I'm going to use Peter again. And Peter this time is praying. He's on top of the house and he's praying. And the Holy Spirit has been given to them. And, and, and one needs to understand now the situation. They are in a new dispensation. Jesus died on a cross and fulfilled the law. The new dispensation has come. The new covenant has come. The, the kingdom of God is at hand and everybody, everybody has access to God, their Father, through Jesus Christ. But it, it, it's, it's a, a difficult time because even the disciples, they are still standing with one foot in the law and the other foot in grace. And you'll see now why I say that. And while Peter is praying, the Holy Spirit gives him a vision. And he sees all the animals that they were not supposed to eat under the law. And God says, come, eat. And Peter says, no! <laughs> How can I do that? He's still with one foot in the law. And the Holy Spirit says, okay, there's two men that's going to come visit you. I need you to go with them. Go to a man's house, you need to pray for him, and you need to preach to him. So Peter says, right. And he joins the two men, and he goes to the house of Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is a Roman, and the Jews hate Romans. The Romans has conquered them, took over their land, and they have to work with the Romans. If they could kill them, kill all of them in one day, they would. And the law says they're not allowed to mingle with Gentiles. They're not allowed to greet them, let alone enter their houses. 
So Peter goes to the house of Cornelius and he tells him, Sir, you are aware that I'm not allowed to enter your house. But Cornelius and his family are searching for God. They want the presence of God. And that is a formula for miracles. That is a formula for the glory of God. And while Peter is still preaching, the Spirit of the Lord falls on these people. And they start speaking in tongues. They are baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Peter wonders how on earth can this be true? Let's go there. Let's go to Acts 10 verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. All his life, Peter has been taught that only the Jews are the people of God, no one else. Now he realizes that God has, wants everybody to be his children. What has happened? His mind was renewed by the word of God. Let's talk about faith. Because faith is really important, am I right? I mean, if you don't have faith, what does that say for your, your relationship with God? Let's go there. Let's go to uh, Hebrews 11 verse 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Okay? So faith is important. But what if you just became a Christian? What if you do not have faith? What do you do? Where can you find it? Let's go to Romans 10 verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you go to church and you listen to the, to the preacher and he's preaching the word of God, you get faith out of that. If you read the Bible on your own and you spend time in the word of God, the Holy Spirit will start speaking to you and you will get faith. You get faith out of that. But here's another thing. People need to mature. Now, that's a bit difficult to explain. Can I get two gentlemen here, please? You, sir? Yes, you? And Sola. I'm always using Sola. Sorry, Sola. <laughs> okay, just stand here and you can look that way. Now, we need to understand that a person consists of actually two people. I'm not going to talk about the soul now. But first you have the physical man, and then you have the spiritual man. How do you mature the physical man, he needs to eat whatever food you, you would like to eat, you eat, and eventually you grow up and you become an adult person. The same with the spiritual man. The spirit man also needs food. So what is the food of a spirit man? The food of a spirit man is the word of God. And if he gets food regularly, spend time in the word, this, my spirit will grow up and it will mature to the point where he will become that I, the person, will be a son of God. What does that mean? It means I'm led by the Holy Spirit in everything I do. It means I'm 
spiritually minded and not worldly minded. All right, thanks guys. You can have a seat. Thank you. So I want to make use of two examples to see how Jesus did it. What did he do? Because he's the perfect example for us. Firstly, I'm going to have a look at when he was 12 years old, and then the second one, when he was 30 years of age. Now, when he was 12 years old, the Holy Spirit uses the teachers of the law to test Jesus. And what is, he what is the Holy Spirit testing him on? They are testing him on his knowledge and understanding of the Scriptures. That is the test. And they call it the confirmation. And that is the confirmation of Bar Mitzvah. Bar Mitzvah means son of the covenant. And that is a, obviously a Jewish tradition. So as soon as a boy becomes 12 years old, he's becoming of age. Not 21, 12 years old. Interesting name. So now the person is seen as an adult and like I said, it's called Bar Mitzvah Ceremony. And during this confirmation, the confirmation is the test. So he sits down and the teachers of the law will ask him questions to see if he knows the scriptures. After this ceremony, the boy, which is now a man, becomes responsible for himself for living according to the Jewish law. Okay, so let's now go to Luke 2, verse 46 to 49. And this is now Jesus at the confirmation. After three days, they found him in the temple. Okay, let's just backtrack a bit. In the meantime, Mary and Joseph has lost Jesus. Now, it's, it's, <laughs> it's terrible enough to lose your child, but they lost the Son of God. I mean, come on. Imagine that. These guys are out of their mind. And for three days, they are searching for him. I don't think they've slipped. After three days, they found him in a temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. 47. Everyone who heard him was astonished at his understanding and his answers. 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Verse 49. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Now, this translation says in my father's house, but there are other translations that says, um, my father's business. And that's maybe a better, a better way of putting it. Because the custom was in, in the Jewish communities, but also in other countries as well, that the son would work with his father in his business. And he would be the apprentice. And one day he would take over from his father, especially when his father passes away or becomes too old to, be, to, to lead the household. So then the son will step up and take over the business and manage the household. And this is what he is referring to. Now just imagine, at the age of 12, 
Jesus is aware that God is his father and not Joseph. At the age of 12, he knows he's called for the ministry. At the age of 12, he knows his talents and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit has given him. How did he know that? Because he spent time in the Word of God. That's where he meant God, his Father. He met God the Father in there. That's where the Holy Spirit gave him revelation when he spent time in the Word of God. Let's fast forward to Jesus at the age of 30. I don't think people say fast forward anymore. We don't have tapes anymore. Let's skip to Jesus at the age of 30. Now here is what I call the second confirmation. The Bible doesn't say that, but this is how I understand it. The confirmation of the ministry of Jesus. So Jesus was just baptized by John the Baptist. And as he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended like a, like a dove onto him. And he's baptized with the Holy Spirit. And immediately God the Father says, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. And directly after that, he is led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. Where he spends 40 days and 40 nights. And he's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And now he comes to the point where he's now hungry. And he's now weak. So the Holy Spirit uses this time for a confirmation to test him. He uses the enemy, not the teachers of the law. And the place is the desert. Not a very nice place to be tested. It's hot. There's nothing. There's no water. He has been fasting for 40 days. He's hungry. He's weak. And only now, the confirmation starts. Sounds unfair, eh? But that's what the devil does. The devil will come to you when you are weak. He will come to you when you are emotionally at a place that you shouldn't be. Because his aim is to let you do something that you normally would not do. His aim is to get you to do something that you would later on regret. Sound familiar? Okay, so let's pick up the story there at Matthew 3, oh, sorry, Matthew 4, verse 3 and 4. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, you see what he did? He bring in doubt. Just 40 days ago, God the Father said, You are my beloved Son. And now, the enemy tries to bring in doubt here. If you are the son of, of God, tell these stones to become bread. The second thing here is, he's bringing in, he's focusing on Jesus' weakness. He's focusing on the need that Jesus has at that point in time. What is the need? He's hungry. He needs food. So that's what the enemy focuses on. Verse 4, Jesus answered, It is written, 
Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that is the truth. So but what is Jesus actually saying? He's actually saying, no. The word of God says this. Or he says, no. God's instruction is this. Or another way of saying it is, no, that's not true. The truth is, and then he quotes the scripture. You see, the word of God is the ultimate truth. The enemy has no answer for it. Every time when Jesus quoted the truth, he was defeated. The enemy has no answer for it. Let's go to John 8 verse 32. And I want to close with that. John 8 32 says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But here's the thing. You need to spend time in the Word of God first in order for you to know the truth. And when the enemy comes with a lie, only then you will be able to identify the lie. Only then it will set you free. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you love us with a passion. Thank you that you, your plans are to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. Thank you, Father. Let your, let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for tuning into Radical Change Ministries. Subscribe for more.